Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight's case is the story of the murder of Greg Smart. Most people refer to this case as the Pamela Smart case, but there are a few names that could be easily used here. Greg was murdered in 1990 in his condo after what looked like a burglary. Burglary. (laughs) (laughs) After what looked like a burglary. But the authorities needed to know who did this and why. I'm Kylie. And I'm Thina. And tonight we have a he said, she said case to share with you. What up? What up? I really had something stuck in my head, but then the moment that I was like, time that to talk, to me every it time. went gone. Yep. It was a song from the 90s. I'm going to try to do this and just see if you know what I'm doing. Party people, party people. (laughs) That's all I got, though. Yeah. Do you know what that is? I know what it is, but I couldn't tell you what it's called. So I was trying to sing that, but then that's all I remember now is just him yelling party people twice in a row. Party people, party people. I love that for you. (laughs) Because I was just going to come in hot, just just singing Singing it. it. (laughs) And then it didn't. I think it's because it's a 90s case, maybe. I was, like, feeling 90s vibes. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, hi. Hi. Oh. So I tried all the snacks, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. my vibes. The ketchup chips tasted like ketchup. Those were horrendous. <laughs> those were... I haven't tried those, those yet. Those were god-awful. Uh-huh. That was an awful, terrible experience. They tasted exactly like ketchup. I was very unhappy. They were very good marketing. Do you not... <laughs> Do you not like ketchup? I've decided I don't think I do now. <laughs> I wasn't okay. sure. Now I am sure I don't think I do. Okay. The all dressing. We're talking about our Canadian gift box, by the way. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, we talked about it in the previous episode. We had a listener send us some Canadian snacks and we finally got around to trying them. There was some, um, oh God, what were those? They were called like all dressings. Yeah. So I tried to like look up what they are and the description sounded horrendous. <laughs> it said like Thousand Island meets ranch meets ketchup meets honey mustard meets Dijon meets blah, blah, blah. That's not dressings. Those are condiments. And it was just like mix the kitchen ingredients together and you get a potato chip or something. It's like, like the potato chip version of the kitchen sink cookies. Yeah. But <laughs> I think I liked them. I didn't really? throw them away. Okay. I haven't ate them, but I what? didn't throw them away. I ate like two. Which is more than I ate of the ketchup chips. So you so. ate one, you're like, hmm. And yeah. then you ate the second one, you're like, okay, it's not bad. And then you put it down. Yeah. And then because <laughs> Margie ate them with me and each time I would eat something and then Margie would try it. And this one, I was like, it's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. I think I might eat the rest or I might not. And she's like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Now I really want to try them. Um, the Smarties, phenomenal. Yes. Uh, the weird flavored Swedish fish. I liked all of them. They, I mean, I hate gummy flavored snacks, so... For something I hate, they were good, I guess, but I hate them. So, so I was so worried. Are, were you able to eat all of them with the red? I don't know. I only tried one of them. I didn't, I, mean, I don't like gummy snacks. I yeah. fucking hate gummy snacks. The like peach ones. Okay, I love gummy. Thing. I love gummy snacks. So here's my opinion. The peach ones were delightful. I think that's the one I tried. Oh, okay. And what it kind of has like the fizziness of it. Yeah. Yeah. Those were good. Um, and then the little ones, like, I don't, 
they're not cherry. They weren't I cherry. Think they were strawberries, weren't they? Yeah, something like I that. I think I have those left. I didn't try those. Those are really good. I would just make sure you can have those. The <laughs> coffee wafer, delightful. Haven't it's like, had that. It's like of a Kit Kat. I'm gonna have a coffee. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I'm gonna have it tomorrow because I'm working from home. Um, and then my coworker went to Mexico and brought back a bunch of Mexican candies for us. Excuse me. And yes, they were well. They were a little spicy, but oh. they were great. Um, and then Margie and I, we always buy stuff and try random stuff. We bought a Warheads flavored pickle or was it sweet and sour? flavored? No, it was Warheads probably Warheads. I've seen that. Yeah, it was foul. It was awful. And we love pickles. It was just it tasted like a pickle that genuinely was like rotten almost because it was so sour Mm -mm. and not in a good way. Mm -mm. Um, that's disgusting. Then we got our uh, H Mart snacks. So then we had Asian snacks also. So I'll rate a few of those. We had these things called dream Oreos. And so they're like cloud puff centers. We got strawberry and then Corey and Kylie got the vanilla. We interchanged them. They were both just okay. Not I did not like them at all. They, I actually would just rather eat an Oreo without any milk. Like same. I didn't like it. They were almost like too sweet. They were sweeter than a regular Oreo. I feel like. Yeah. It did not taste like an Oreo to me. It tasted like something that was trying to be an Oreo. Yeah. It tastes like off brand almost. However, I think they would be really good if you deep fried them. Oh, God, they would have. <laughs> um, we got some cucumber flavored Lay's potato chips. Um, they were awful, but let me explain why. They were awful because they tasted exactly like a cucumber, but the texture of a potato chip and it just was wrong. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I don't like that. At that point, I would rather eat a pickle. If I'm eating something crunchy that's a cucumber, I want a pickle, not a potato chip that was just wrong <laughs> i can't eat cucumbers without ranch um these might be good dipped in ranch maybe actually they're at your there house you go. they're downstairs in your kitchen oh. uh and then we had these other ones that were called face numbing hot pot uh they were <laughs> the worst experience i've ever had with a potato chip i was hacking up a lung my face my tongue my everything was numb oh my god they were awful margie said they weren't that bad they were so the marketing awful. is correct yeah, when it they, says face numbing. Disgusting also. Just the actual taste. Maybe Ugh. I'll maybe I'll lick one. Yeah, hot pot has a specific taste. Like this didn't taste like flavor. a hot pot. Though. No, I know. Like the, the hot when you get something that is not hot pot, literal, literally yeah. taking it from a bowl, hot pot, to like a flavored hot pot, very different things. Very different. Does um, not taste like hot pot. We got pocky sticks that were sesame seeds. That's kind of weird. Um, I was hoping they would taste like these sesame seed snacks that Kylie buys from Trader Joe's. They didn't. Well, they're almonds. <laughs> so <laughs> they wouldn't taste like sesame. But they're almonds covered in sesame seeds. Yeah, like sesame roasted So I thought they would almonds. have a little bit of that flavor because yeah. this is white chocolate and sesame seeds. So it'd still have that like sweetness. Nope. I don't know. They were good, but they weren't anything to call home about. Strawberry Pocky's still the best. Yeah. And then we got some peach flavored milk. It was... Milk, Real milk that tasted like peaches. Real milk. Yeah. Okay. That's all it was. Was it? There was nothing special about that. Was it good? I mean, if you like peaches and you like milk, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it tasted exactly like that. Like you could distinguish the two flavors apart from each other when you drank it, but it was g- good. Like I, uh, it was weird. I don't know. I liked it. I drank the whole thing. We also got uh, when we went there and we ate there because we were famished um we got what do you call it onigiri yeah um we got tuna and and salmon salmon. both were delicious salmon was probably better but like my 7-eleven um convenience store 
dreams came true that day. <laughs> the Korean version, <laughs> not not a U.S. based 7-Eleven. Yeah, the Korean version. The only reason I want to go to Japan is to hit up all of the 7-Elevens. And then, um, yeah, I think that's all the things Margie and I tried. We had like a trying night the other night where we tried everything in the house. I love that. I think the only subscription box that I would do is like that. Um, what is it? I don't remember what the official name is, but it's like you get a box from a different country every month. And it's filled with a bunch of different like specific snacks to that country. That's the only thing I miss about living in Chicago or like a bigger area was getting to go to World Marts yeah. all the time and like just finding random shit and being like, huh, some pasta from Belgium that tastes like chocolate peanuts. I'll buy it. Nope, that's weird. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this into a dessert. Although Margie and I did find a, a man in the U.S. I mean, not in the U.S. in um, the Midwest that makes chocolate noodles he makes chocolate spaghetti so it, it's a dessert food like you make it and it tastes right. like a dessert yeah and you use like either like so a, like the sauce is chocolate yeah for like a sauce you could use nutella or you could use a marshmallow fluff or you could use chocolate sauce or something like that yeah and it's a dessert and you you know well like I, I understand that because like the way you make noodles is literally just flour and egg yeah so it's, you just add some cocoa and some yeah. sugar or you would just add some chocolate and, and, call and it he does egg. it and they're they're good oh. okay interesting well yeah anything else no you ready to start yep so thank you to the person that sent us that that was sarah and thank you so much we loved all of our no we didn't i did not love the snacks I i'll try the, the i'll try the other <laughs> i'll try the chips tonight and uh have my answer yeah or my opinion next week <laughs> The candy was bomb. I'm yes, questioning your Smarties, chips right man. now. I understand when Morbid's like, I'm going to go get more smart Smarties. I'm like, yeah. who the fuck is eating Smarties, first of all? And she's like, no, it's chocolate. I could eat a very large bag of that. Well, I don't like chocolate. So to me, it's like weird when I do find chocolates I really like because there's very few that I do. And that's one of them that I'm. I feel like it was like the actual version of what a milk chocolate tastes like. Like It was very like, like creamy. Yeah, I can I see that. It. I can see that. It's way better than M&M's. Way better. I don't like M&M's. So yeah, fuck those. Fuck M&M's. And I hate their marketings. Ugh, so annoying. Right? <laughs> the right? M&M's are annoying. There's, there's a, a whole ass store at in at Disney. Not Disney, but there's a dude that has a life size m M&M. Well, I don't know what size they are in life, but in the commercials, how they're like almost half a human. There's a dude that has like a life size, half a human size um, M&M sculpture over by my house. And it's his m- mailbox. Gross. And I just I I don't like vandalizing. I don't feel like that's <laughs> legal. Well, I don't think it is actually. I don't know if vandalism is legal. Is it? Is vandalism illegal? It is. Yes, it's illegal, very right? much illegal. <laughs> okay, I illegally want to vandalize him. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Please don't report me. Yeah. Tonight's case. It is called the Pam Smart case. <clears throat> Whoa, my voice gave out. <laughs> <laughs> It's called the Pamela Smart case or the Pam Smart case usually, which it's funny because Pam Smart hates that. But also it's just slightly disrespectful because it should be called. I I have this this thing and I don't know. I don't know how you feel. Do you feel when it's like not a serial killer and it's like one person murders another person? Do you think the case? Okay, so if I murdered you, okay, Mm -hmm. do you think it should be called the Athena case? Or the Kylie case. The Kylie case, right? Yeah. To give you the credit where credit's due. To talk about you, your life, your experiences. I'm the victim. Yeah. Yes. 
right? Yes. Yeah. Nah, this is the Pam case. No. Or like the Casey Anthony case. No. But the thing is, is you have to call it that because otherwise people will be like, what the fuck is that case? Who's the Greg case? Because no one who knows who the fuck Greg is. But when I say Pam, they're like, oh, fuck Pam. She's a bitch. And that bothers me. So this little case bites my nugget. <laughs> bites my nugget. And it's dino shaped. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no other kind. <laughs> I've never had a dino shaped nugget, but I found some really good looking dino shaped nuggets at Meyer like last week and I bought them. So I was going to say there's. I'm going to have some. There's vegetarian ones for I sure. I know. I just, I don't know. I never, never got them. Okay. But I'm going to try them now. Yeah, do it. On my next trying day. <clears throat> I eat things that aren't on trying day, just so everyone's aware. I eat every day of my life. Trying day is just a special day. <laughs> All right. So talking about this case, it's about Pamela Smart and Gregory Smart. They were a couple that were living their average lives as a husband and wife back in 1990. But tragedy had struck the couple. Gregory Smart was found murdered in their home, their condo. The police now need to figure out who did it and what was the motive. So it's a whodunit. You ready? Ready. So like Kylie earlier said before we rambled for 17 years, the case is a lot of he said, she said, which it's because there's a lot of rumors, which sometimes those make the case kind of like fun when you like discuss it and get into it. It reminds me of, you know, cases like uh, the the Dior Coons, like, oh, well, he said that she did this. Oh, well, she said that we didn't do this. Well, the police thought that this. But also you just got to see how this one unfolds in the end, because like you got to hear all these he said, she said, and I'm going to tell you each time being like, well, he said this. Well, that's fine. But here's what she said, because you got to hear a ton of it to get to the ending. Trust me. It's almost like there's some history before the mystery. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. OK, let's talk about the key players in this case, mostly Pamela and Gregory. So Pamela Ann Wojas was born in Coral Gables, Florida, on August 16th, 1967, she is a Leo. She shares a birthday with Cameron Monaghan, which I wasn't sure if you were going to know who that was. Nope. So it's Ian Gallagher, the redheaded one from Shameless. Nope. He also plays the Joker in uh, Gotham, the like TV show. Oh, OK. OK, I'm getting there. Yeah. It's also National Work From Home for Wellness Day. Why don't we have that? Every why don't, day? Yeah. Why don't we actually <laughs> Let's do that every day? Force everyone to work from home on that day. We need to get back on these like national things. Like, come on. Yeah. There's a lot of really good ones. But then there's some really wonky ones. You should be. You should see some of the shit I find. <laughs> she was born to parents, John and Linda. Pamela grew up in Miami, Florida while she was younger. But in eighth grade, her family had moved out to Derry, New Hampshire. Now. When a lot of people think of dairy, um, they think of like the East Coast. However, some people think of dairy and they think of like dairy. And I want to say it's dairy, Maine. Dairy, mm. Maine does not exist. It's what? made up. But a lot of people have a small little bit of like almost a Mandela effect where they're like, no, I know I've heard of dairy, Maine. Like, and it's usually an age group that's between like 60 to nowadays. And it's that age range. Do you want to know why? Yes, I want to know why. Because Pennywise the Clown takes place in Derry, Maine, and it looks yep. exactly like Derry, New Hampshire. I was like, I knew, I knew the, like, I knew it. Yeah. Without knowing it. I knew and it. Originally, the thought process for this started to die out and people didn't recognize the name, but then the new remake came out and it sparked it back up again. And so it's really Weird. funny, even when people look into this case, a lot of people have to clarify being like, 
it isn't the same place as Pennywise. Because it's not a real place. (laughs) It's not a real town. It's a real town and they use a real town and it's real name, but that's not in that state. It's a lie. So. So Pamela went to the Derry Pinkerton Academy when she was in high school. She was a cheerleader and she was pretty popular among like her friends and her peers. She was described as an overachiever that had a fun, loving and quirky side. After she graduated high school in 1985, she went on to attend Florida State University. And what what city is that in? You know, just a fun quiz. Is Florida State University not in Florida? Well, yeah, no, like what city? Oh, I, don't, I have no idea. Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, I don't know. I just didn't know if you knew that. Isn't Orlando not the capital? I don't know that shit. I feel like Tallahassee <laughs> is the capital. I don't mm-hmm. even know. That's just a weird random fact. I know where Florida State is, and it's like 30 miles away from Gainesville. There you go. Oh, well, that's why. That's actually not why. I know this because of a Harry Styles fan fiction. Bam! (laughs) Because the main character goes to FSU. The things I know, you guys. Yeah, it is Tallahassee. That's Hmm. why it's there and not in Orlando or Miami or... Hmm. Yep. In Terrasante. The more you know. In college, Pam hosted a college radio program, and after three years, she graduated with a bachelor's degree in communications. She graduated with honors also. In three years? hmm Wow. While she was working as a radio DJ, she was actually nicknamed the Maiden of Metal. And if you see pictures of her, she has the big, like, 80s metal hair of and course. stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. She loved metal music so much, but you got to think back then, metal music is like Van Halen, Motley Crue, that kind of stuff. So her favorite band, she said, was Van Halen, and she ended up getting a Shih Tzu dog, and she named it Halen because of how much she loved the band. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, evil. Like, it was evil back then. Yeah, so it was also like, oh, my gosh, she's rebellious, but she's so smart and everything else. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And this whole concept of her being this kind of, like, rebellious bad girl made in a metal, it is kind of important to keep in mind with Pam, because even when she becomes an adult, it, it'll it it'll make sense. Just... You know, put a pin in it. Yeah, if you want to. Okay. Or like at least at least have it in the thought. The thought palace train subsidiary. What was that? I don't know. Mando used that term that one time. And we always forget it. She's put it back. Screaming. It's not in our whatever the hell this thing is called. I'm going to make a new term. I'm going to make a new term. I'm going to call it my. Oh, well, wait, that's not. What is I it brain it ca- brain ca- castle? Brain. Well, I was going to use either the word cornucopia or cavern, and then I was going to call it my cornucopia of caverns, and I was like, neither of those words mean brain, right? So, what is a B word? My bookshelf, my brain bookshelf. Oh, that's not the worst. Or my um library of thoughts. Oh, I like oh <laughs> my library of thoughts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you actually have a reservation in my library of thoughts? Oh, you didn't? I can't take you today. Yeah, I think that's what we're going with. Sorry, Amanda. Okay. Okay. I'll forget that. She's too. also screaming at us, though. It's fine. It's fine. Scream in your car where you eat people. I don't know if I talked about the fact that Amanda's a cannibal on the podcast. She's not a cannibal. I made a joke, but now you guys all are in on the joke, but I'm not going to explain the joke. I will another day. Amanda's a cannibal. Or, or you can go back. Listen. I don't think I explained it. What? I don't think I explained how Mando's a cannibal on any of the episodes. That was a real life explanation. I'm pretty sure. So I think everyone's like, what? I thought we talked about it. It's fine. It's fine. 
fine. It's a joke. She's not. She's not. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure. Okay, moving on. While she was in college, she was 19 years old. Pamela ended up at one point going home for Christmas break. That was back in 1986. And she went home around Christmas time. But, you know, New Year's always hits when you're on Christmas break during school. So she goes to a New Year's Eve party back in New Hampshire. And she met, by the way, I corrected myself. I did a whole episode and I said New Hampshire. Uh huh. And someone said no. So I fixed it. And this episode, thanks to that person, I'm saying New Hampshire. Tomato, tomato, I think, but it's fine. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm doing sure instead of Shire. But it looks like Shire, and I've watched Lord of the Rings, so it should be Shire, but that's okay. Now, I thought that that was actually just like a Midwest like accent type of thing. I don't know. I thought New Hampshire was correct. I had not heard New Hampshire until recently. Oh. So I don't know. Well, she goes to New Hampshire, and she meets Gregory Smart. Greg was a student in college in New Hampshire, so they lived far apart. He lives in New Hampshire. She lives in Florida. He was described as this like fun party guy. So it made sense, you know, they meet at a party and they're like both fun and young and cool, hip, right? They were about the same age. They began dating in February of 1987 after she goes home to Florida again, right? And at first they were dealing with the distance and they were fine with it. But quickly into the relationship, Greg didn't like the distance and he decided he just wanted to move to Florida and be with her. Oh, okay. Following her graduation, the couple ended up moving back to the East Coast, though. Pamela ends up getting a job at Winnacunnet. It's a high school in Hampton, New Hampshire, and she was a media coordinator. The job essentially entailed that she would teach the students how to use the AV equipment. She would write press releases for the school and do like other stuff that involved that. I mean, I don't know what a media coordinator does in the 80s and 90s, but sh- she did it. Hmm. There's not a ton of media in the 80s and 90s, but okay. Well, especially with high schools. Yeah. The AV equipment thing makes sense, though. I get that one. Yeah. That makes sense. So in my mind, she's probably like a... AV club. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the leader of the AV club. Yes. After moving, which also makes sense because she did the radio DJ and stuff. So she knows how to work this stuff. It's not like she was just like blindly hired. Do you think you could teach a class about podcasting? Fuck no. (laughs) I hate children. I can't even teach kids to just. I didn't say children. Oh, do I get to pick what age group there? Yeah, sure. Mm. About any type of podcasting or true crime podcasting. Are they going to ask me like questions on like how to be a sports broadcaster? Because that's kind of like a form of podcasting. No. Um, Because like those, those, that's a whole different energy. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. No, I don't think so. No. No? I don't know. I'm actually not that good of a teacher. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm not very good at teaching people things. I give up. If you don't get it the first time, I get too annoyed with you. And I'm just like, I don't want to teach you anymore. That's fair. So probably not. And I don't repeat myself. If you didn't hear me, that's a you problem, not me. Yeah, I'd be a terrible teacher. No, I am that teacher and I don't have any issues. Yeah, and I wanted to be a teacher and then I gave up because I figured I wouldn't Here be we are. Huh. teaching people about the craziness of this world that we live in. But I don't ever have to repeat myself. If you don't hear me, you can press rewind. I don't have to repeat. That's true. It works. You almost said rewind like I do rewind like like you almost like stuttered on it rewind you said it right that time rewind that's the word it's almost like too it's too much of the same type of sound too quickly oh are are you one of those people that it's rewind 
rewind no, the I almost, VHS. <clears throat> I almost delete the R and say rewind. Ew, no, I don't do that. Rewind. 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 Not rewind. Rewind. Re and ra. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm trying real hard to make it not. All right. I think that's the difference, though. I think I figured it out. Fuck off. <laughs> when they moved back to New Hampshire, as she starts working at the high school, Greg began his training as an insurance broker, and he was working with his father. So that's how he gets this job, right? The couple ended up getting married on May 7th, 1989. The couple was really young when they got married, so keep that in mind. Pam was only 21, Greg was 23 years old, and they did start having some small issues early on into the relationship, but they preserved and they decided to stay together. I don't like this. <laughs> they decided they were young and in love, thinking that's enough to solve all their problems, right? Don't we all <laughs> at that age? We're like, oh, this is it. This is everything we need. They ended up renting a condo and they were adjusting to their new life as a newly married couple. Less than a year into their union, supposedly Greg had an affair and this left the cop <laughs> couple with more problems, though. She had said, Pam said that what happened was he admitted one night that he had a one night stand and it clouded her whole view of their marriage and made her want out of the marriage, though. And that's fair. The problems supposedly ended oh. after this, but how they end is not. Greg dies. Oh, okay. So on <laughs> I get it. I got it. I, yeah, got like, it. I, I have understand. no other way to describe that. I okay. understand. <laughs> so on May 1st, 1990, it was a Tuesday night. Pamela came home from a meeting at work and found her condominium to be ransacked. Pamela calls 911, tells the dispatcher her husband is passed out and in need of medical attention. Derry is an area with a really low crime rate. And there has been no reported murders or homicides for years leading up to this case. And then this happens. And it's like such a big deal. Like this is a really, really small town. And then this happens. Like the dairy population is under 30,000. It's teeny, small. teeny, tiny. Small. Mm -hmm. News reporters started arriving on scene along with authorities. And neighbors said they saw Pamela hysterical running out of her condo saying she thought someone broke in. Greg's parents end up arriving on scene really quickly because they actually only lived like a few roads down and just a few minutes away. Police officials instantly said that the crime scene looked like a disrupted burglary. There was some jewelry missing. A bunch of furniture was turned over. The drawers were thrown out of the dressers with like stuff haphazardly thrown all over the floor, stuff like that, right? There were suspicions that the fact that Greg's wallet with all of his money and credit cards was left near his body made this... Look like it had to have been disrupted, though, because wouldn't they have taken that, you know? Right. Also, his diamond studded wedding band was still on his hand. If you were going to steal him, steal from him and like. Maybe they didn't want to touch him. Kill him in the process when you've taken this. Well, yeah, but that's not what the police are thinking. Because like burglary is different than murder. murder. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going in and I'm going to burglar this home. Burglarize. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to murder anyone. And then all of a sudden it changes. You got a dead dude on the floor. Right. Yeah. It's very different. They also thought it was weird, though, that furniture like televisions and stereos were left in the home. I get the television thing because like think about a 1990s television that takes like. Oh, my God. Four people. to. <laughs> I was going to say. And you have to at least be vehicle big enough. Right. Yeah. Especially depending on what else you're stealing. But the stereo, depending on what kind of stereo it is, I understand why the authorities are maybe like, why didn't they steal 
the radio. And also back then it would have been hard to trace back like serial numbers and stuff like that. So oh yeah, maybe I feel like they were in the right wondering why the stereo wasn't stolen. However, a TV, I get the fuck out of why someone wouldn't steal a TV in the nineties. Yeah. Those bitches are massive. Yeah. <laughs> and so heavy. There was no forced entry to the home and the back door actually happened to be open ajar. Also, so, you know, like outside cellar doors, like kind of like it reminds like to the basement. Yeah. And yeah. It, it reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. Does that make sense? OK, mm-hmm. so the cellar doors that were outside that lead downstairs, they were also completely unlocked. So that's why they were like, well, it, is this a breaking and entering? Because like they didn't break in. They just like literally waltz through the fucking door like and i get uh, it that's still breaking yeah. in but it wasn't like <laughs> think, um it wasn't like a uh they didn't have to do much to do this so authorities yeah. were like well mm, okay authorities say aloud that greg is dead and pamela ends up hearing this and pamela says everything just became a blur at that point because that's when it finally hit her the homicide detective that was there daniel pelletier gets assigned to the case and starts to wonder just what happened that could have resulted in why Greg's life was taken. Because if this was just a burglary, why is Greg dead? The detectives and authorities found Greg's body in the hallway. There was a brass candlestick near Greg's left foot and he was lying face down. So they were like, it was obviously blunt force trauma that resulted in his death. Tell me that doesn't sound like something out of a clue board game. Literally. It was him in the hallway with the candlestick. Like that's 100% the game right there. Yeah. Authorities were then starting to question the neighbor and any witnesses that could give him a possible lead. Now, a weird thing about this is like when you think of condo, like it depends on what type of condo you're thinking of. The smart condo is on the end of the street, kind of. Okay, so on one side, it's the the end of their house. That's it. That's all. But on the other side of their house, it's connected to another condo. Right. So it's almost like a. Like a townhouse yes. type of setup. So on one side, they literally have a connecting neighbor that can overhear anything in the house or anything, right? So police were really hoping that someone maybe saw or heard something and could give them some sort of a tip. In one of the documentaries, the authorities speak out about how they were told that the smart home often had parties, though. And when they were searching the home in the vehicle, oh my God, this is so fucking ridiculous. They were like, mm, maybe it was a drug related problem. And when when someone's like, why do you think that? He's like, I was searching Greg's vehicle and I found a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> like one single one, mind you. Mm-hmm. But that was all the drugs they found. And then they were talking about it and they were like, I looked in that whole house and there was no narcotics or heavy drugs. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. We jumped from like zero to 100 real fast. They're like right. one marijuana. And now we're like on the hunt for narcotics. OK, but. They wondered if somehow this did have something to do with drugs because of the drugs they found. And so they were like, you know, could that be tied to the case because someone was like burglarizing them or it was a drug fiasco gone wrong or something? They were really trying to exhaust out every lead they potentially could even find, which honestly, good job, especially in the 90s. Right. But the problem is, is everything kept fizzling out within seconds, like practically like nothing was panning out. They're still on the same night and they're trying all these already. Later that same night, after authorities leave the crime scene, Detective Pelletier gets a phone call and it was said that whoever was calling him told them to tell him that it was urgent. Okay. (laughs) This phone call 
was a friend of Pam, Pam Smart, like Greg's wife, Mm -hmm. saying that she's wondering she wanted her friend to call the detective to ask the detective why he didn't call her and talk to her. The person on the phone. Yeah. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Also, it's the same fucking night. Yeah. But she's like, I'm the wife. Like, why wouldn't he talk to me? I would. Why am I not being questioned here? So this is why it's the Pam case. You're starting to see because Uh Pam is the center of attention in Pam's world. Everyone else is just a bystander. Following this incident, Pam just goes to the station. (laughs) The authorities start to take her into a side interview room and they begin to question her. They question her about the night her husband being murdered, right? Pam said she went to the school for a meeting. She said she called Greg that day around 3 p.m. She talked to him, told him she was going to go to the meeting, but then she didn't talk to him or contact him again until she got home, which was past 10 p.m. that night, and she found him in the home. Pam told them that day was out of the ordinary for her because normally she wouldn't have that meeting. So that's why it like stuck out to her. When Pam got home that evening, she said that the first thing she noticed was the lights in the home were off, which is weird because she saw Greg's truck, so she knew he was home. So she's like, why are the lights off? But it is after 10 p.m., so I guess Greg could be sleeping. Which also, she works at a fucking school. Why are you out at 10 p.m.? Yeah. She goes inside, sees Greg laying on the floor, and she said there was hardly any blood, so she was afraid that he wasn't dead, but he was just hurt somehow. But then she noticed that the house looked ransacked, So she was terrified, wondering if someone was actually in the house. And she's like, well, if they're still in the house, they're probably still here. So she actually frantically ran out of the house trying to cause a scene so that someone like a neighbor would come outside or something and she could get attention so that she could call authorities. That's very logical up to this point. That makes sense. Although, well, kind of. I don't know. Seems a little sus, too. To me, it makes sense because back in the 90s, you didn't have a cell phone or anything, and you don't want someone running up from behind you and grabbing you without you making a noise or something. So, yeah, you're going to run to the neighbors and try to cause a scene to make someone notice you. Okay, that makes sense. But also, if you think your husband's still alive and someone's in the house, why are you not going and checking on your husband? And or why are you not at least being like, I'm going to like drag him to this corner or something? I don't know. Nope, I I wouldn't have. But also, (laughs) depending on how big your husband is and everything, I also get that sense. To me, that's a hard thing because if Margie was down on the floor, I could move Margie. That's fine. I can't move Corey. If Corey was down on the floor, Kylie could not move Corey. So I get it. I see. I see different scenarios here. I would get help right away when she talks to the authorities. They ask Pam if. Her husband had any ties with anything drug related due to the earlier suspicion. She's like, no, that's not the case. So they go back to the original, original, like very first idea, saying it was a breaking and entering event that had gone wrong. That night at 1119 p.m., the medical examiner notified authorities that blunt force trauma was actually incorrect. The candlestick wasn't what killed him. He pulled out a medium sized caliber bullet from Greg's head and he was shot execution style. Oh, that changes things a lot. Very fast. Police Captain Loring Johnson was wondering if things were staged to make it look like a breaking and entering had happened here when it didn't, because he thought things weren't adding up. Jackson. What'd I say? Johnson. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Loring Jackson. Sorry. 
when he says things weren't adding up, he kept pointing out like the original things, like why was the wedding man still on all these other things? Like Mm -hmm. he had his own theories here. Right. But he said he didn't have any leads to really go off his theories, which you can't really get anywhere without a lead. Right. Right. But then some anonymous tips started coming forward saying that Greg had a really bad gambling problem and he owed a terrible debt to someone and that's going to get him killed. So detectives follow through with this tip going all the way as far as to going all the way out to like um, Atlantic City or whatever it's called, which is only like a few hours away. But they end up going there and it's where Greg used to gamble and they wanted to see if this is a real tip or not. Yeah, no, it's not either. He didn't have a gambling debt. He didn't know anyone like, yeah, he did like to gamble. Didn't have a problem with it. Didn't know anyone. So they're like, okay, cool. Another (laughs) tip that does not pan out one bit. Three days after this murder on May 4th, Greg had a funeral and was buried. The authorities noticed the biggest takeaway from this event was Pamela, his wife. The funeral was not about Greg. The funeral was about Pamela. She was so over the top. She made the entire event a portrayal about how sad she was about her husband, like throwing herself over the casket, bawling her eyes out, just so distraught that her one and only love is gone. Okay. Authorities then tell Pamela a piece of advice. They say, hey, Pamela, hey, buddy, you know, like, hey, buddy, (laughs) there is only one thing we are asking of you. They are so cordial with her. They're like the biggest thing you could do if you do not want us to solve this like there's only one thing you could do that could ruin this case the biggest thing you could do to hurt this case and the one thing you should not do is go talk to news stations broadcast any news stories perpetrate perpetrate perpetuate any rumors media or sensationalism of the case case just like just stay quiet pam just so they say pamela please just keep your head down We're going to work on things and solve things. And Pam was like, oh, my God, easy. I got you. Three days later, Pamela goes to the media Uh and does a news interview. Mm -hmm. Well, that's who she is. Yes. And when people were like, why did you speak out about this? And she's like, well, I owed it to my husband to clear his name from the rumors that were happening. I guess that's fair. I think if if the same thing was happening, I didn't know who did it because I still don't know who did it in my brain. Um, I would do that. If people were talking shit about you Greg. You think Pam doesn't know? If people were talking shit about Greg. No, me, personally, me, okay. myself, Kylie, does not know who did it. But if you were, you would be <clears throat> Pam right now, so you would be the per. Well, no, let's just get to work. If people were talking shit about my late husband. Who you murdered? Well, I don't know that. Well, you would know because you did it. <laughs> but I don't know that. Kylie doesn't know if Pam murdered him. Well, she did at this point. But oh my god, Pam doesn't murder. I'm so confused. I know. Just let's get into it. No, I'm just saying that if someone was talking about, if someone was talking shit about Greg and, and I'm Pam didn't and know. I didn't know, I'm gonna speak out because but that's the thing. Pam does know, so she's just doing this for attention. Though. Yeah. That's the problem. Okay. Now, during the interview, there were a lot of weird things that became super alarming. It was only three days after the murder, right? And the interviewer, he noted how incredibly good Pam looked, which like at first you're like, the fuck? Why would someone like, he's like, oh my God, she looked like a fucking fox. Three days. 
That's why it was weird. It's three days after her it's husband. Not like got three weeks. Murdered. It's not three months. It's three days. He's like, she doesn't look like someone who's sad and depressed about the circumstances of her husband. She right. looks fucking phenomenal. Then Pam at one point like pauses and she's like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be good for the interview if I go and get our out of the freezer, like our wedding cake, and I like hold it out there and being like, I miss him. And like I, I get really dramatic. Like, would that be good for the interview? Mm. And she's thinking about it from like that point of view like a dramatic standpoint not which a real standpoint pamela wanted to do something along those lines like be like a broadcaster or something like that if i remember correctly so like this made sense that this is how she's thinking about it but most importantly big problematic moment here she started leaking intel that the police were trying to keep under wraps that now everyone's going to know the details of the murder and everything yep that, that the police were right. like, specifically, the one and only thing we asked you not to tell you, dumb bitch. Authorities were so ticked off by this. They give Pam the cold shoulder. They're like, we're not going to tell you about the case. And she's like, it's my husband. Why wouldn't you tell me? And they're like, they don't um, have to. That be- sucks. Because we're essentially starting the case back from scratch. And it's turning into a cold case because you won't shut your fucking pie hole, bitch. Right. On May 14th, 1990. So now we're 13 days after the murder. There was a phone call to the police department with an anonymous tip saying that this person that's calling works for a local Italian restaurant. And this is such a he said, she said. Moment. <laughs> it just sounds like everything I'm saying has so many extra details. Like, and then she said. So this girl <laughs> says she works for a local Italian restaurant and she overheard a different girl who's a coworker who goes to the local high school telling a story about how she heard... <laughs> Oh my God. Of a woman who works at the high school who wants her husband murdered. Okay. So did you follow that, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the authorities find out that the girl in the story, the young girl talking about how she knew someone working in the school. The high schooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This girl is um, Cecilia Pierce. So this is an intern. And guess who she's an intern for? Hmm. Pamela Smart. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird, right? On May 21st, Detective Barry Sherowitz meets with Cecilia at her parents' home in Seabrook to interview her. Cecilia denied knowing anything about the murder, but she did share that she stayed at Pam's condo an entire week long the week before Greg was murdered. Which, that doesn't sound weird until you think about what the police know. The police specifically asked Pam for a list of people that had and hadn't gone in her home recently to clear them as suspects because they would have registered those fingerprints of anyone that had been in the home. And guess what? Pam didn't put Cecilia on the list. Someone that had been in your house for, for a, a whole week? week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then the big break came six weeks, six weeks later. So it had been six weeks since Greg was shot on June 10th, 1990. A man walked into a police station. Sounds like a setup for a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, that was like the way I worded it. Yeah. <laughs> he said he has something he thinks might be part of evidence. His name is Vance Latamy Sr. Vance Latamy Sr. He brings in his .38 caliber rifle. Nope. Nope. Wrong. Revolver. Mm-hmm. To the Seabrook police station. Telling authorities that he heard from someone else. <laughs> His son's friend who heard from someone that it might have been used to kill Greg Smart. My goodness. 
I love this. But it works out. <laughs> Genuinely, we have cases with less he said, she said, and they don't get solved. Yeah. This has, if this case can get solved, come on, guys. Right. There's really no excuse. No excuse anymore. Nope. When they went, when this guy went to the police, Vance Latamy Sr. said that a kid named Ralph Welch, who's a, a really close friend of his son, told Vance that this gun might have been used to kill someone. And that someone is, you know, we now know Greg Smart. He said, OK, that's kind of weird, but whatever, you know. So he goes and checks the gun, which is like just downstairs in an unlocked gun cabinet, because that makes sense. And he noticed it had been clean since the last time he used it, which he remembers he specifically did not clean it last time when he put it away because he forgot to like he just didn't have time to. So he's like someone else had used it and cleaned it. Now, the authorities then tested the caliber, the 38 caliber pistol and the ballistics were a perfect match. The Hmm. bullet that killed Greg had definitely been fired from that specific gun. Crazy. So then they ask Ralph what he knew about the situation, because clearly he must know something. Ralph starts talking about how he heard a story (laughs) involving a few (laughs) students from the school where Pamela worked. (laughs) My goodness. It's just going to keep going. I love it. (laughs) So Ralph told the detectives that a 15-year-old sophomore named William Flynn, who goes by Billy. All of these kids, they're kids. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all kids. Everyone's like under 17 in this. So Billy Flynn is 15 and he'd been going around bragging about killing someone. But when he asked his pals if they were. So Ralph asks Billy and his friends because he's friends with them. He's like, were you guys involved with that murder? They're like, no, 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 no. So Ralph leaves the room and he overhears them saying something about somebody being next. So he walks back in the room and tells them, I can't believe you guys lied to me about this. Oh, God. And as a response. They tell them, oh, okay, well, we'll tell you the truth. We murdered Greg. Smart. And here's how. And they, like, tell him everything. Sweet. So they tell Ralph that Pete held Greg's head while Billy pulled the trigger. And then they're going to do this because they're getting a cut of the insurance money because Pam told them so. And that's how they heard about this. And Ralph can't tell anyone. Okay. That so would work. Yeah. So nope. then Ralph tells Detective Sherowitz this. And who all these friends are and stuff, right? So he names the people in this case. But just like how Greg died is would not have worked that way. Why? Holding his head? Yeah, it'll make sense. Just okay. Wait. Okay. So he names Patrick Randall, who goes by Pete. What are William- these names? <laughs> William Flynn, who goes by Billy. Vance Lat- Latamy Jr., who goes by J.R., because his dad's Vance Latimer Sr. Mm-hmm. And well, JR makes complete sense. <laughs> yeah, Jr. <laughs> and then so our main people now are Pete, Billy, and JR for right now. But then we find out because they start to dig into these people and they find out that Billy is best friends with a girl named Cecilia. Oh. So they're like, oh my God, this is like a puzzle that's putting itself together here. <laughs> right. They're like, thank God fucking high schoolers can't keep secrets. No, for real, though. <laughs> like, for real, though. That genuinely helps this case. It reminds you don't know it any at all. <laughs> but um, there's a case that's very similar to this where literally kids are on Facebook talking about the murder. And it's called Seth uh, S-E-A-T-H. Oh, my goodness. Maybe Jackson. 
I don't know. I can't remember his last name, but literally they're on Facebook just being like, remember when I murdered blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Jesus, children. Literally? Yes. Like posting it? I'll I'll do the case next month. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's literally. It's the most ridiculous. Children can't keep secrets worth shit if they do murders or if they do anything. So authorities and detectives next step is to find exactly how linked all these people are because they know at this point they're all linked, but they're like, how are they all linked and how are they linked to Pam? Yeah, they all go to the same school, things like that, work at school, whatever, but like pinpoint this. Cecilia's the intern, like what else? So they find out that Pam works for the school as part of this thing called Project Self-Esteem. And it was this thing that was going on in the 90s, but specifically at the school it was going on And conveniently, Billy, Cecilia, and JR were all volunteers for Project Self-Esteem. It was a school drug awareness program, and Pam was running it, and Cecilia was her intern for it, and Billy and JR were two of the members. So it's kind of like D.A.R.E., I guess. Yeah. Authorities deemed all this just to be enough evidence to get search warrants. Wow. And to make arrests. Really? Yeah. And they were able to make arrest warrants. Wow. But the problem is the boys took off and no one could find him now. <clears throat> well, because they heard that Ralph squelched it. <laughs> squelched. On June 11th, Billy, Pete, and JR were brought into custody, though, by the Dairy Police. They didn't get very far. Pam ends, up, yeah. <laughs> Pam ends up going to the station and she asks, who was arrested? Because she's like, I heard there was an arrest. Who was arrested? And the authorities are like, girl, what are you doing here? Like. Go home. <laughs> and she says, well, I called Billy Flynn's mother and she said that someone was arrested. So I'm, I'm just asking who. Okay. Why would you call Billy Flynn's mom? Right. Of all people. You have how many students in this program and you picked to specifically call William Billy Flynn. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Seems a little sus though. Yep. It's mm-hmm. fine. I'm sure he has nothing to do with this. No. 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 That would be weird. So following that, a dude named Bill Spencer, who is a reporter, starts to look into the case. And actually, Bill Spencer has been in this case from the beginning. I just haven't talked about him. He's an interviewer and he's interviewed Pam multiple times. He's actually the same guy that she was like, should I get the wedding cake out? Okay. Okay. He decides he wants to find out more about the connection with Pam and the students. So he goes to the school and he finds a photo of Pam and the exact students that were arrested. Oh, so as a follow up, he goes to Pam's house and he like knocks on the door. And up to this point, she's been like, I need to talk to interviewers. I need to tell my story. I need to tell my husband's story. He knocks on the door and she like won't even answer the door. She she, she just like cracks and she's like, can I help you? He's like, hey, Pam, like, do you want to talk? She's like, no, no, no. I am so upset. I can't do an interview. And he's like, why are you upset? And she's like, well, one of my students, Billy, was arrested. I'm so upset. He's like, your husband was murdered and you weren't upset, but a random student was arrested and you're upset. And she's like, well, yes, that's the future of America. <laughs> okay. She didn't say that. I said that. But right. That's how she was acting. You're paraphrasing. <laughs> so the boys all get arrested and they instantly lawyer up and they refuse to give any interviewers to the police uh, interviews to the police. Right. Makes sense. So they get put in jail for now, just like on the arrest warrant, however long they were able to be in there. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after this, Cecilia and her mother get brought in and they start to speak to Detective Sherowitz and Captain Jackson, which when they interview her, 
oh my gosh, you can watch it. But they're like, Cecilia, are you sure you don't have anything to say? Cecilia, are you sure you don't? And she's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, ah. And she starts getting more anxious and more anxious. And then by the end, she's like, I gotta go. I, I, I really have to leave. I have to go. I have to leave. Cool. And she's like really, really anxious. And you can tell. Supposedly she gets home and like, the first thing she does is she's like, hey, mom, I have something to tell you. And right. her mom's like, yeah, no shit, you do. Like, I knew this was coming. <laughs> so the next day after that police interview, Cecilia and her mom call back the authorities and say that they want to work with the police because they essentially just want to make a plea deal already. Oh, <clears throat> OK. Cecilia says that Pam and Billy have been having an affair for the past few months. Saw that coming. And she knows this because she walked in on them having sex. Authorities were super confused why Pam never mentioned Billy at all up to this point, because like she could have even been like, hey, Billy's one of my students. But now they're like, oh, we see why, because she's fucking an underage kid. Right. So they ask Cecilia for help and they're like, hey, can you call Pam to get incriminating evidence that will put her in the crime as someone who planned the murder of her own husband? Cecilia agrees to this and calls Pam. This doesn't work, though. Pam doesn't give anything away. She goes... As far as to like when Cecilia would make a comment being like, oh, you know, like when Billy murdered something and essentially Cecilia would like give the setup and Pam would be like, I don't know why he would do something like that. That's horrific. Like she would just negate the question and turn it kind of like flip the phrase so that she seemed more grieving and she couldn't put blame anywhere. So they were like, "Okay, that didn't fucking work. So authorities were like, "Okay, we're going to do something else. So they ask this little 16-year-old girl, Cecilia, right, to strap herself with a wire, of course, and a box, because this is the 90s, like <laughs> one of those big boxes, right? Like in a backpack. <laughs> on her pants, just like on her pants. Okay. And they're like, I want you to just go to the school, walk directly into Pam's office, and get her to confess. Just be like, hey, do you remember when you murdered your husband with your students because you're having sex with him? <laughs> and Cecilia's like... <laughs> yeah no (laughs) cool great cool so cecilia agrees she walks into this office and pam runs over and gives her like a super tight hug and cecilia later is like bro i was sweating bullets well yeah she's like i genuinely thought pam was trying to like hug me to feel for the wire or that she would feel it or see it right or that like when she hugged me that it would like break the wire or something Well, yeah, that's what you always like fear when you're wearing a wire. (laughs) Yeah. Well, guess what? The the recording didn't work. (laughs) Okay. So the wire and the recording didn't work properly. There were a lot of issues with it. And again, it's the 90s. Yeah. So the problem was, is they didn't get a full statement, but they got enough damning evidence with broken part statements that were captured that they essentially were able to have enough to arrest Pam in connection to the murder of her husband. So it wasn't a clear recording, but there was recording. Yep, they got enough. They were like, oh, thank God. So then on August 1st, 1990. Oh my God, this is so iconic. This, I almost just want, there is a Pam Smart movie. It's not good, but it's, oh my God, who's in it? Like Nicole Kidman plays Pam Smart or something. Oh. It's really famous people. Okay. It's not very good. And they don't do this scene any justice, which sucks because this is the best part of this whole case. (laughs) Detective Pelletier literally drives to the school where Pam works. Pam is in the school's parking lot. She gets out of her vehicle. She's like walking into the school. Pam asks the detective what he needs. Okay. The interaction's recorded. Here's what happens. Pam goes, what's up? He goes, well, Pam, 
I have some good news and I have some bad news. The good news is we've solved the murder of your husband. The bad news, you're under arrest. <laughs> she goes, what for? He goes, first degree murder. Like, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Pam was so shocked that she was being arrested and handcuffed. She was so upset. Now, there was someone standing in some bushes, like on the other side of the parking lot that was taking pictures, like a paparazzi type person, right? So Pam is like, oh my God, this was staged. This was planned. They leaked this. This is all a big conspiracy against me because how, how else would someone have known? Okay, first off, yeah, that, that shit happens. People leak stuff. But also you did it but with a bunch of kids. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. She ended up getting arraigned at the Dairy District Court. Fun sentence. Yeah. Pam said she and Billy, so they asked her what happened, right? She said she and Billy had started their own affair. After two months of this, she decided to end it because her conscience was too heavy. Okay. But that caused Billy to lash out. He threatened to tell her husband. So Pamela decided to herself personally confess to her husband, Greg, because what else could she do at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Pam said she told Greg, just like, you know, what happened when he cheated on her. So she did the same thing, right? And they just knew they were so in love that they had to talk it out all night. And that's what they did. And so they talked it out all night. The next day, you know, after an emotional and exhausting night of discussion, the couple agreed that they're going to reconcile things on the condition that she has to cut off her relationship with Billy the very next day. So she said she was doing that. That was why she went to the school. That's why she did that meeting and everything. She did all those things. But then she didn't realize that by doing that, it scorned her young lover. And so while she was in a meeting, Billy randomly went to her house and murdered her husband. Murder! And she was just 100% innocent. Because, yeah, like, she had this terrible affair, but she would never, never plan a murder. <laughs> so that's okay. what she's going with, right? Okay. Okay. The whole ordeal went wild for a lot of reasons, okay? <laughs> like, this is the early 90s. Oh, there's so much scandal in this. There's so much scandal. And this is also when like people are finally starting to sit around with their TVs. TVs are becoming more common of having in your house, things like that. A woman had murdered her husband. A woman was having an affair. A woman hired someone for murder. Essentially, it was underage students. Like this is a recipe for the most wild news story to like happen right now. Yeah. Also, this was one of the first times ever that they were allowing cameras and courtrooms. So the coverage for this was like insane. Everyone was able to watch, give their inputs, give their theories on Pam, how they feel. Everyone and anyone became super invested in the Pam Smart case. Sucks to be her. (laughs) She really picked a bad time to murder her husband. Waited waited like 10 more years. Jeez, Pam. Right. Also, if you see, I get it, like. People look different in the 80s, but I know what a good looking guy looks like in the 80s. And I'm going to be real. This is not one of them. This kid is, I mean, like, he's a kid, so he's not attractive. Oh, anyways. Billy Flynn, not but like, Greg. I thought, like, okay, this kid's going to be like a heartthrob. Right. He's, I mean, he's, he looks like a nerdy ass fucking teenager. Mm-hmm. There is nothing special, but I'm so sorry. I'm being mean, whatever. But. As this was all going on, the boys maintained their silence until dun, dun, dun. the prosecutor, Paul Maggiato, said he had been charging them all as adults. So that means they're going to be facing life in prison without parole. So all of a sudden the kids want to start talking, right? Right. 
A few months later, they opted that they were all going to cooperate now. January of 1991 rolls around. I'm still not even born. Jesus Christ. Yeah, me either. <laughs> the boys all get interviewed and they decide they're all going to testify against Pam. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Pam says that, uh, sorry, Paul says, Paul Maggiato, the prosecutor says, if they do this, they'll all receive a plea deal. So they all plead guilty to it. And that will help the defense get more evidence against Pam now. The trial started on March of 1991 at the Rockingham County Superior Court. It lasts only 14 days. Nice. The prosecution portrayed Pam as a cold-blooded mastermind who seduced and controlled young Billy to murder her husband so that she could avoid the expensive divorce and get his $140,000 in life insurance policies. Bum, bum, bum. Because there was multiple policies, so like they kind of all added up to 140. The assistant attorney, which is a lot for a young guy. Yeah, that's a lot. Yep, that's a lot. That's a lot. The assistant attorney general, Diane Nicolosi, portrayed the teenagers as naive young victims of an evil woman hellbent on murder. Yeah, that'd be an easy, easy way to push that uh, narrative. Ideal, yeah. Billy claimed during the trial that he was instantly smitten from Pam the first time he saw her. He said it was at a school assembly in 1989, and he told JR right then and there that day. Aw, school assemblies. If this wasn't like a tragic gross story and she wasn't like way older than him, like, oh, that's cute. He saw this girl in the school assembly and fell in love. And then you're like, oh, wait, it's his teacher. Oh, wait, she's married. Oh, wait, he killed her husband. Okay, well, that sucks. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That just ruined every single part of that. He said that their whole like thing between them started because, oh, my God, are you ready? No. Okay. They found out they liked the same movies and music because like he kind of likes rock music and stuff like that. And like that's that's a big part of this. So remember how I said she was this maiden of metal, all this stuff. Well, when Greg took this job as an insurance broker, he became more clean cut. He, you know, cut his hair. He started wearing suits. He became a down to earth type guy and an adult. However, Pam didn't want that. Pam wanted young wild boy. Young wild boy. So then she meets this Billy and Billy's into that stuff. So she said that they both had mutual. Well, she didn't say this. He said that they both had mutual crushes right away because they were finally into the same things and stuff. And that's what she was missing from her actual relationship. Makes sense. But fuck her. Right. (laughs) Then Cecilia one day came up to Billy and gave him a note. The note was. Oh, no. (laughs) I can't even take this. Seriously, I'm like trying not to laugh. The note was from Pam, like adult oh Pam, my God, right? Stop. To this high school kid telling him that she has a crush on him and has feelings for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Where's this note? I have to see. I got to explain orange juice next. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a whole fucking thing, but I got to do it. Okay. So there's this thing, the OJ commercial, not like OJ Simpson, like OJ orange juice. I'm being serious, right? <laughs> So Project Self-Esteem did all these things, okay? And one of the things they did was this, like, orange juice commercial. And you can look it up on YouTube. Oh, God. If Kylie didn't hate putting clips in so much, I would genuinely insert it right here because it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) It is one of the funniest shits I've ever heard in a true crime case. So, essentially, like... You make a commercial for why students should be and like young kids should be drinking orange juice and getting their daily vitamins or whatever. 
for this brand or whatever. And if you have the best commercial, it gets aired and your group that does it, like your class or your group or whatever it is, wins a chance to go to. And I don't know if it was wins a chance to go to Disney or to Florida, but like essentially you win a chance to Florida somehow or something. (laughs) Something fun in Florida. Florida. (laughs) So obviously all these schools in the 90s are like, orange juice, hell yeah, brother. (laughs) So Pam and Project Self-Esteem make an orange juice commercial. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're treating this like a straight up like, production yeah christopher (laughs) nolan is in the goddamn building here okay i'm surprised she didn't make them have like a trailer out back for this okay and it's so funny go watch it on youtube pause the whole episode you gotta go watch this okay (laughs) during this though she was like staying late she was working on this she was having the kids come in on weekends all this stuff and like her husband understood because he's like i know you really want these kids to have this opportunity because a thing I didn't explain is a lot of the students lived in Seabrook. I explained that earlier, like Cecilia did and stuff like that. So they described Seabrook as the wrong side of the tracks. Like that's how they would describe that part. They'd be like, that's the like the bad part of town, the cheap part of town. You know, you're a bad kid if you live over there because it's the drug part. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So that is half of what this town is of um, like where they live. And I guess that was part of it was Pam's like, I want to give these kids the opportunity they may never be able to have or can't have. It's great when you hear these things about Pam, right? Like this is the Pam that we wished was always Pam, but sadly it's not. Right. So with that being the case, um, she starts this commercial and one day during it, she leans over and she asks Billy if he's ever going to make a move. Like, is he ever going to kiss her? So he just leans over and kisses her. Mm-hmm. That's well, probably the most awkward kiss I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Filming orange juice commercials <laughs> for your high school. Love to it. go to Florida. Love it. So around this time, Billy also says in court that he was a virgin. He had never had a first kiss. He never had a girlfriend, any of this. So this was a huge deal to him. This made like a lasting impression, obviously. Obviously. Now... During this time, after the first kiss, things start sparking really fast and heating up. They use the OJ commercial time to have more time to spend together. And essentially, did you hear that podcast of Ned's? This will make sense, guys. The Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide podcast. Mm -hmm. And she's like, in between every set, we were like boinking. That's what they were doing. In between every pause of the OJ, they were just getting it in okie dokie that's all billy and pam were doing essentially was just 24 7 making out having sex doing whatever they could okay okay now here's how the first time they had sex went or he talks about this in trial like this kid's laying it all on the line which also has to be so embarrassing because i'm sure all of his family's there and like right greg smart's family's there and they're like oh my god this is what our husband's or our son's wife was did yeah yeah like we thought we knew who this person was. This and ridiculous. Yeah. So here's what Billy told detectives and what he testified at trial. He said, the first time him and Pam had sex, what happened was in, it was in the late March of 1990. Pam invited Billy and Cecilia over to her house because Greg was out of town and she wanted to watch a movie with them. So inappropriate and so disgusting, first off. Mm-hmm. Because they're like... I think at this point, Billy's still 15. So it's like a 15 and a 16 year old kid. And she's like 22 or something like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. They end up watching this film 
that came out at the time called Nine and a Half Weeks. If you don't know what the film is about, it's supposed to be super raunchy for that time period. One of the most like raunchy films of that year. And it's super rated R. There's this, I think, I want to say it's Kim Cattrall, but maybe I'm making that up. But there is a striptease scene where she does a striptease lap dance type thing and stuff. So originally Pam had said like, oh, have you ever seen the movie Nine and a Half Weeks? I want to do that striptease to you, Billy. And Billy's like, I've never seen it. So that's why she invites him over to watch this. Also, uh, the third Wheel Cecilia event here must be super awkward. Or not, if she knows. I mean, she obviously knows. It's still, that would make it more awkward too. Yeah, I mean. So then the movie ends after they all watch this together. <laughs> Which is already awkward in itself. So awkward. It's like when you when you watch movies with your parents. And like the sex scene comes and, on and you're like, oh and God. And there's like, no, it's just even like a kissing scene or a makeout scene. And you're like, oh, oh, oh. It's so awkward. Like, get out, get out. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There was a movie I went and saw with my mom in theaters, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is not the film. It wasn't Saltburn. For me, it was the um oh, you're you're talking about recent. For me, um, it was uh one of the Tomb Raider movies. Mm. And there was like a sex scene or a shower scene or something. And I was just like, stop. I don't, I don't, I can't think of them, but I know there are some that I've done this. Yeah. So after the film ended, Pam sent Cecilia outside to walk her dog, you know, Halen, go, <laughs> go give Halen a walk while she took Billy upstairs. She did the strip tease for him, like the film and some lingerie. And then he lost his virginity to her. Oh, Okay. He said the next day she told Billy how unhappy she was in her marriage and how he needs to get rid of Greg for her because that went from zero to a million so fast. Very fast. Now, she told Billy that if Billy really loved her, he would get rid of her husband for her because that's what you do for love. So supposedly she uh, he said that she thought that that's when he put this plan into action with the boys. Whew. He said, she said. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you see why I called it that kind of a case? Yep. Then Billy said that Pam said. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is still Billy talking uh-huh. in court. Yes. yes. He said that Pam said <laughs> that she would share the insurance money with him that she gets from his life insurance, Greg's. She's going to split $500 a piece for each of the boys that help out. Mind you, the insurance policy is 140000 and she was going to give them each $500. I don't know how much a life is worth, but I'm going to tell you it's way more than 500 bucks. Especially if, yeah, nope, I'm not well, even going to go And there. I don't know how much murdering is worth, like being a hitman, but I, <clears throat> right. I think it's more than 500 That's, I guess, what I'm yeah, meant to say more. slightly a little bit more. Just maybe. But also as a kid, $500 seems like a lot. Maybe. I don't know. It does. Well, like $100 seemed like a lot yeah. back then. And, and now it's like $100 feels like $10. He said, <laughs> I hate the phrase he said and she said after this case. Yeah. Like it's genuinely my least favorite case. Yeah. Billy said, he said, um, Pam told him that she was afraid she would lose everything if she tried to get divorced. And she threatened that she would end her sexual relationship with Billy if he didn't kill Greg for her. And that's why he had to do it. Hmm. Now, the day of the murder, what was supposed to happen 
was these kids were going to use JR's grandma's car because, you know, they don't have cars. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And JR's grandma, like, forgot to leave them the car or leave them the keys or something. So they ended up calling Pam and being like, hey, we don't have a ride to kill your husband. So she's like, oh, my God. (laughs) She's like, I will pick you guys up and take you to the car so that you can kill my husband later. Like, fine, whatever. Stop. Inconvenient, but I guess I'll do it. So she does that. While they were all driving over to JR's grandma's car, she reminds them the details of how she wants this murder to play out, telling them she wants it to look like a burglary. But also, could they make sure that they don't ruin her new shag carpet? Because getting blood out of it is going to be very difficult. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So later that night, the night of the murder, this is all what Billy's testifying, mind you. Billy said that he and Pete Randall entered the smart condo on the night of May 1st, 1990, through the bulkhead cellar doors of the basement because Pamela said that she had left them unlocked for them. And then they said they had to wait a really long time for Greg to come home, like hours. That's awkward. They just like (laughs) sat in the basement for hours waiting. It was like super weird. Then when Greg finally gets home, they go upstairs and they like spook him. So there was a scuffle between the boys where they had scuffle scuffle. They had to fight Greg, but since it was two against one, even though they were younger, they were like winning because they just had the upper hand. They ended up getting Greg to his knees and Greg asked what was going on and Billy supposedly told him to shut up. Then Pete held a knife to Greg's throat, supposedly, but then Billy aimed a gun. He stood there, he hesitated, and he told the court, he said, I said, God forgive me, and then shot Greg Smart in the head execution style. Well. Then they go to the getaway car where J.R. is in the um, driver's seat and J.R. is the getaway driver, but he also provided the gun and he actually is the one that went and bought the bullets, even though Pam gave him the money to buy the bullets because he couldn't have taken his dad bullets. His dad would have noticed. Right. Also, Raymond Fowler was there. Who the fuck is that? (laughs) We have never once said the name Raymond Fowler. Okay. Never once. Yeah, there was another guy in the car this whole time. There was a passenger named Raymond Fowler. He's just hanging out. Apparently he was there because he knew how to clean the gun. He's just hanging out. Which it's kind of funny. It's not funny. It's not funny. Bad choice of words, Cena. Ironic. If they wouldn't have had Raymond Fowler and not cleaned the gun, they might not have gotten caught as fast. Yep. So almost. You should not have Raymond Fowler there. Well, you should have because you deserve to get caught. Right. So then Pete gets on the stand and he testifies that the only reason he that that's all true. Everything Billy said. Great. Yep. True. But he also testifies that the whole reason he went along with this was because he just wanted to know what it feels like to kill someone. Oh, okay. Yep. Yikes. What? You're like 15. Like 12. Come on. (laughs) Settle down. Billy and Pete then also were scheduled to have their own trials after this because This is Pam's trial, technically, like they still took the plea agreements, but they're still going to have trials because they're still both facing first degree murder charges with the plea deals because that's what they pleaded guilty to. Because they admitted to having premeditated this murder actually for months. Okay. Yep. Months. They did. Yeah. Or she did. No, they did. (sighs) Yeah. Because it was months ago when Pamela had originally said, like, hey, will you murder my husband? And they were like, yeah. So this whole plan took months to prepare everything, apparently. Uh, 
Then Cecilia Pierce gets on the stand and testifies at trial. She says she knew Pam and Billy were friends in the program, but it was around February she noticed they started acting differently. And then Pam confessed to her that she was in love with Billy. Which, I mean, like, yeah, Cecilia, you saw the note. You saw everything. You knew this. Right. But I get it. She's like, oh, yeah, it's crazy. They Confirmed. <laughs> her plea deal and everything ended up actually giving her immunity in the case. So oh. lucky her. Yeah. Because she wasn't at the actual murder. She's just like a terrible person, but she's not a murderer. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Silver lining here. Yeah, I guess. Then when confronted... Pam ended up taking the stand. She acknowledged, yes, I had an affair with an underage student, but like the murder of her husband was solely Billy doing what Billy wanted to do and his friends and their reaction to like her saying she wanted to end the relationship to repair her marriage. That has nothing to do with her. That's Billy's problem that Billy worked out in his own mind. So Pam insisted she knew nothing of this plan to murder her husband and she took no part in it whatsoever. Oh, the turntables. Pam said she was really angry for a few different reasons, such as number one, Billy's clearly lying on the stand. Clearly. Clearly. Number two, she it upset her that Billy was crying on the stand because he wanted to know something wild. She said that was for a show because he didn't even cry when he attended Greg's funeral. Oh, yeah. Billy was at Greg's funeral. <laughs> Fucking weird, right? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. Isn't that fucking weird? I would not go. No. Because I get it if Pam died and Billy attended. Because like, yeah, right. it's still weird. He's 16. She's 20. But like, that's her student. Right. Why are you attending your teacher's husband's funeral that you've supposedly never met? Fucking weird. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a hint. My fifth grade teacher's husband died. I did not go to that funeral. Uh, why? I know. Weird of me, right? Super weird. That's super weird. I'm the weird one here. Okay. Next, third point. Pam was upset because the kids have no real remorse because she said they were actually happy and laughing about the murder on their way home after killing Greg. I don't how know. How did she know that? I was going to say, how do, how do you know all that? If you had... <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And lastly... She said this whole trial upset her because it was everyone attacking her, solely her and no one but her for no reason. That's the beauty of being a teacher is you take the blame for everything. I would say there was a reason, though. <laughs> just, just a little one. After the speedy 14 day trial came to the conclusion on March 22nd, 1991, it was announced that 22 year old Pamela Smart would be found guilty of being an accomplice to first degree murder, the conspiracy to commit murder and witness tampering. And that was because Pam had tried to coerce Cecilia into lying to authorities for her. So that was considered witness tampering. Wait, she wasn't tried for underage, whatever the hell that's called? Nope. Okay. That would have been a whole nother thing. And they were like, you know, we, we got enough right now. We're good. What? Yep. Okay. Okay. So the conviction was largely the result of the testimony of all the co-conspirators and the secretly taped conversations where Pam appeared to be contradicting a lot of her claims. And that was like the claims of having to want to reconcile things with her husband and having no knowledge of the boys plot because they had enough pieces of things to be like, well, that's not true. Later the same day, Pamela was given a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility for parole. And I'm going to talk about Pam's life in prison and all that stuff in a few. 
But because that's that we got to unpack that. Trust me, you're going to want to stick around. (laughs) Out of all the things we've talked about, about people's life in prison, Pam's is up there. Let's talk about the boys. In 1992, Bill Flynn, Billy, was sentenced to life in prison for second degree murder. Wow. Billy would not be eligible for parole for up to 40 years. So the part of the plea agreement that they got was that they would have eligible paroles, the boys, because essentially otherwise they want it, right? Like murder, you don't get parole, but their plea deals all made them have paroles. So that's like the silver lining for them. Still, I would have pushed it. Yeah, that's interesting. So it was supposed to be they had a 12 year minimum sentence deferred if they maintain good behavior. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Billy was incarcerated at the Maine State Prison in Warren, where he earned his GED, and he was active in charity work, charity work, and worked as an electrician in the prison. Okay. In 2007, Billy sought a sentence reduction after he had already served 16 years, stating he had vowed not to do so until specifically he had spent as many years behind bars as he had originally spent free. So, like... He went to prison when he was 16, so he said he has to serve 16 years already. Oh, clever. On February 12th, 2008, his request was still denied because although Billy's earliest parole eligibility date would have already started to be reduced, it was reduced for three years, making it 25 years, making the eligible parole 2015. He tried to apologize to Greg Smart's family for murdering him, but the Smart family denied the request as well. I'm surprised with that, too. Yeah, I I think they just were so pissed at that point because hearing everything in court, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, but he's a child and yeah. she is not. I mean, I would definitely play, play more blame mom, Pam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today, I tried to say the sentence. I said it so many <laughs> times today. I said, I love the brand pleasing. Okay. And every single time I tried to make this TikTok, I said, I love the bland ple- preezing. I love the bland preezing uh-huh. every single fucking time. And finally, outside of your house, in my car, I just screamed, pleasing. And then I continued and I did it fine. And so I'm really <laughs> glad you didn't hear me. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't do it. I did those two letter swip swaps like I like to do. Mm-hmm. On March 15th, 20, nope. March 12th, 2015, the state parole finally granted Billy Flynn his freedom from prison. They did say that he had a lifetime parole, though. So, like, he's going to mm-hmm. he's going to have a lifetime parole. Um, and the craziest thing is they released him on June 4th, 2015. And it was just like a few days past the 25th anniversary of Greg Smart death, which will be like an important day. So, OK, just June 4th. OK. Patrick Randall, one of the other guys, right? Pete, Pete, Patey. <laughs> Pete was also sentenced to life in prison for second degree murder. He was eligible for parole after 40 years with a 12 years deferred program, blah, 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 blah. You've heard me say this speech before. He would have been eligible as early as 2018. Guess where he was sent? The Maine State Prison in Warren. Yeah, the boys were sent to the same prison. Isn't that weird? Just uh, kind of weird. Which that was, oh, yeah, that people got mad about that because they're like, oh, my God, they could have communicated. They're already in prison. Yeah, <laughs> they already pleaded guilty and everything you know, else. Threw out their entire life onto the trial. So yeah. 
In March of 2009, a judge reduced Pete's minimum sentence by three years to 25 years, making him eligible for release in June of 2015. He was granted parole by the New Hampshire Parole Board after a hearing on April 9th, 2015. He was released on June 4th, 2015 for lifetime parole. Hmm. So same day. Okay. Co-conspirator and driver Vance Latimy Jr., so like JR, dude, was sentenced to life in prison as an accomplice to second-degree murder, blah, 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 things you've heard before, right? But since he was the driver and he didn't go inside, he was eligible for parole after 30 years with a 12-year suspension. In 2005, his minimum sentence was reduced by three years. He was paroled the same time as the other two boys, so all of them go free, right? He lives with his family in Seabrook, New Hampshire now. He's the only one I found, like, the the whole story, too. Oh, yeah. Where is he now? The co-conspirator Raymond Fowler, the guy who, like, waited in the car and cleaned the gun, he was sentenced to 30 years for conspiracy to murder and attempted burglary and parole eligibility after 15 years. He was paroled in 2013. Nope. What did I say? 2013. Uh, 2003, (laughs) 13 years after Greg Smart's death. But... He ended up getting sent back to prison a a year later in 2004 for violating his parole terms. What'd he do? I don't know. I couldn't find it. But then he got paroled again in June 2005, so it must not have been anything too big. Huh. Okay. I feel like probably it was like, you can't leave the state, and he did, or something silly like that. Or like, you can't buy, like, alcohol, and he did. You can't drink. Something like that. But it wasn't, like, way over the limit. Something silly. Now... Pam. Oh, Pam. Pammy Pam. <laughs> Pammy Pam. Life hasn't been easy for Pam in prison. She's had a tough one. Uh-huh. In October of 1996, there was an incident where she was severely beaten by some fellow inmates named Mona Graves and Gina Miller. She sustained a fractured nose and a broken eye socket. Ouch. Yeah. And it resulted in the insertion of a plastic plate on the left side of her face. Ugh. Gross. The two inmates beat Pam after they accused her of snitching on them about their prison relationship. Guarantee that she did snitch, in yeah. fact. Yeah, uh-huh. she's the worst. Yeah. Now, as a result of the peating, peating, <laughs> Pam beating, <laughs> Pam beating, <Yeah>. peating. <laughs> as a result of the beating, Pam now has to take medication for chronic pain and is suicidal, said the prison counselor, Dr. Eleanor Pam. Stop. Mm-hmm. That's her name. No. Yep. (laughs) Okay. In 2003, another incident happened to Pam. There were some scandalous photos that got published for the National Enquirer. So Pam filed a complaint about the, about the, oh my gosh, against the prison, not about the prison. (laughs) And she tried to sue them at the time, but the lawsuit got dismissed because, A, you're not supposed to have, you know, phones in prison. How did these phones, pictures get leaked and stuff? Where these pictures come from with Pam? Things like that. At the time, Pamela got thrown into solitary confinement for 77 days. The prison claimed it was for her own protection, though. In 2004, Pam and a fellow inmate named Carolyn Warmus sued the officials at the Bedford Hills claiming sexual harassment. So they are talking about what happened the year before the 2003 incident. They said they were sexually assaulted by a corrections officer who coerced them into posing for suggestive pictures And then Pamela claimed she was sexually assaulted by the correctional officer who threatened to kill her family if she informed on him. And to prove his point, 
The next day, he forced her to pose for the photos, and he sent them out to the National Enquirer to get her to shut up about the whole incident and not leak anything. On November 5th, 2009, a U.S. District Court judge had approved $23,875. I said that weird. $23,875. That's better. Yep. As a judgment to Pam from the state of New York because of this whole incident with the, the photos. She ended up actually receiving $8,750 of it, which is quite a bit to yeah. just get thrown into your commissary, I'm going to say. Yep. But her attorney received the rest, you know, due to fees and everything. But still, that's that's quite a bit. In 2004, Pamela became part of a documentary. 14. Called... What did I say this time? Four. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep switching them. Numbers that, are those, hard. Those 10 years, man. <laughs> Numbers are so hard. In 2014, Pamela was part of a documentary called, uh, it was by HBO, and it was called Captivated, The Trials of Pamela Smart. Which, of course, she said she received a wrongly set up trial due to the fact that the media had influenced her trial and conviction. Okay. 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 (laughs) No, I'll save it for the discussion part at the end, but I got... Okay. Okay. Nope. Thena, continue the outline. We'll do the discussion at the end. You know what the protocol is. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. I have a lot of feelings and you are not going to like them, Kylie. Oh God. Okay. Now the whole concept of the influence of media in the trial is partially true because the jurors said that they were hounded nonstop about the information from every news outlet and everything. Because remember, this is the first time it was broadcast. Massive, massive case. Also, all the jurors were unsequestered. Which if you, you know what that means, right? Yeah. Okay. For those of you that don't know what it means, they were not taken out of the public mass. Like normally if you're a juror, you are told like, oh, you're going to stay in this hotel. Yep. You can't go home to your families. You don't get your cell phones and like you can't talk to anyone and nothing happens. Right? No. Yeah. They're just like, do whatever you want. You're fine. Like that's insane. Obviously social media didn't exist back then. So that made things a little bit easier. That's true. But you but- could still get on a computer and type an email to joe over in north dakota and tell him about this trial that you're helping with and he's going to send it to francois in canada (laughs) who's going to send it to eleanor in fucking california and now the whole world knows right ridiculous okay the jurors were also bombarded by nearly 1200 newspaper outlets and articles that had circulated during two weeks of the trial time love that And it included every moment of the case that was televised and broadcast during the time. But they came to the conclusion still that Pamela Smart was guilty. So keep that in mind. That's good. But Pamela (laughs) says that's what made it unfair. On March 29th, 2003, it was reported. No. I'm 20 years off this time. Yeah, you are. (laughs) On March 29th, 2023. Uh Like last year. Yes. (laughs) not 20 years ago no (laughs) jesus christ brother it was reported that pamela had lost her final appear appeal with the new hampshire supreme court with all the legal options that were exhausted her life sentence is her only option now currently she's serving her life sentence at a maximum security prison called bedford hills correctional facility for women in westchester county new york she was transferred there in 1993 
from the New Hampshire State Prison for Women in Goffstown, supposedly also for like her protection and stuff back in the day. Right. Pamela still says she's innocent, though. She said if she would have never had the affair, her husband would still be alive. Well, yes. Yes. But yes. not, but that she doesn't means, make her innocent. <laughs> she means it in the sense of like, oh, he wouldn't have been so upset about me breaking up with him that he would have killed my husband. That's oh, how she means it, though. Okay. While in prison, she's been a pretty, pretty busy gal. She's completed her schooling from Mercy College, where she's gotten a doctorate in biblical studies. I mean, what else do you do at yeah. that point? Yeah, I would. She's gotten a doctorate in biblical studies, a master of science and law, and a master of finites in English literature. Fine arts. What did I say? Finites. <laughs> I literally stared at that sentence. I'm like, I think I said English wrong. And then I was like, how did I say English? Did I say Anglesius? And I was like, what would I have said wrong? So I just stared at that whole sentence. And I'm so glad you caught it because I didn't know where it went wrong. But I knew it did. I caught that one. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fine arts in English literature. What's finite? What does finite mean? Like, um, like, like, fine, like, um, it's hard to explain. I only like, know it from a Watsky song. He it's says like this is finite. a firm, like, finished state. Like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. People are like having the time of their lives with our fucking idiot idiosas tonight. Our, our idiosyncrasies, if you will. Okay. She graduated from all three programs with a 4.0 GPA. Pam then became a tutor for a lot of other inmates, actually, like a lot, because she did so good. Beyond that, she became a member of the National Organization for Women, where she campaigns for the right for women in prison. And she's worked as a certified HIV and AIDS counselor. She's also served seven terms as the elected grievance representative of her prison. It sounded like she might still be that, but I couldn't quite figure out like when her term ends or if there is a new one or not. But I think she might still be that. I'm completely wrong, by the way. Finite means having limits or bounds. So the exact opposite of what you said? The exact opposite. So it says every computer has a finite amount of memory. Mm. That's the example. Mm. So the limit does exist. The limit does exist. Pamela has her own organizational website where she asks New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. Christopher Sununu. 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 Or is it Sununu? Sununu. <laughs> <laughs> There's, There's so a many lot of N's and a lot of U's. She asks the governor to reduce her sentence. One of the things she says on the website is the following. Like someone typed it about Pam, keep in mind. Oh, okay. She has worked tirelessly to grow and change. Pamela's life without parole sentences is excessive and inhumane, as well as disproportionate to the sentences of the actual killers. The four young men who killed Greg Smart have been free for years. She's asking New Hampshire Governor Chris (laughs) to have mercy on her and reduce her sentence so that she can return home to her loving family and friends. Hmm. All right. (sighs) Do you want to know how I feel? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Okay, so that's the case. Let's talk about our feelings. I feel like we need a fucking feeling stick in here. Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) 
So here's the thing. I just like took a big stretch to deal with this, guys, because I got a lot to unpack. I'll try to keep it quick here. Okay, I think, yes, Pamela is in the wrong because clearly, yes, if you just want to. I don't know how many times I have to say this. I feel like I said this last episode, too. If you want to divorce your partner, I don't care the legal ramifications of this. Whoa, good word, Dina. Jesus, I didn't know that was in my vocabulary. Um, (laughs) As well as I don't care about like how much money it's going to cost you. Uh, just get a fucking divorce. Stop killing people because you don't want a divorce or just don't get married. Right. Like you can just like live with someone. Fucking lie about it for all I care. Also, you know what? Just lie. Oh my God. You know what? You could lie. None of us will know. Why don't you have a whole wedding and just, you know, like fake it. Like just, 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 just fucking fake it, bro. We don't fucking know. We don't know you didn't sign the fucking papers. And then you can lie to all of us, buy yourself some fucking rings. And then if you guys decide you don't want to be together, guess the fuck what? All you got to do is separate the goddamn fucking rings. Uh-huh. Take them to a goddamn pawn shop. Okay. That's my first beef. Uh-huh. Weddings. I'm, oh, well, this is the wrong audience. Uh-huh. Do that. <laughs> I don't think you and Corey are going to kill each other. Maybe though. So it's fine. Maybe though. Okay. <laughs> Okay, my next beef, I do think, like, it's weird. I have two different, very opposite thought processes. I do think it's a little wild that Pam is in prison and the murderers aren't. I understand why she's upset about that. But also, they were kids, so I don't think they should be in prison because they weren't adults enough to have fully formed craniums to make such a decision without knowing the brash consequences of their actions. Right. Also fuck Pam for using that as her tactic because it almost worked on me. And I almost believed her for a second. And then I remembered who she is. Right. However, also I do think she deserves to sit in prison. Yes. Like, I do think that yes, fine, whatever. But also, I also hate to say this. I think, I thought Pam was right about how it is unfair about the fact of the boys being out and her in. Not that I want her out and not that I want the boys in. But I also think Pam's right. I don't think she got a. I don't think she got a fair trial. Well, yeah, no, because I do think that the media was a problem and I do think all that. But at the same time, even if she had a fair trial, the outcome, I do think would have been the same. And what? Would she have rather it taken to a different state where potentially what if death penalty got put on the board? Then, Pam, you might be dead right now. Would you have liked that? I don't think so. But I think in her mind, she's thinking if we could have had a quieter trial or taken it somewhere else. I think she genuinely thinks she could have almost weaseled her way out of this. Yeah. um, By tugging at heartstrings, because at this point, that's what she's done. She tugged at Billy's heartstrings in a sense to get him to agree to do this. And I think she thought she could do that to the jury. With that being said... Um, I do think, you know, like Billy and them did it. Like, there's no questions about the end of this case. Like, we know what happened. However, it's just there's a lot of things where it's like a this is interesting how it played out. And um, go, Mr. Latimy, for taking your gun in. Big props to you. <laughs> yeah, for real. I wonder how him and his father get along now. The Latimy is I genuinely wonder, like, is, is Thanksgiving awkward? maybe a little bit um and also i do think it's a little odd that cecilia got off scotch-free after everything because she did help set up a teacher and a student for a very um fucked up situation there yeah if all that is true 
which I'm sure we could find enough evidence to prove whether it was or wasn't true. So I do think Cecilia needs at least a little bit of a sort of like lesson taught to her as well, because that's, but also these kids have a different type of scar. Anyone that, Oh yeah. Anyone that, um, had a relationship with a teacher or even had a young age, old age relationship, whether the man was older, the woman was older, any of these kind of situations, whether it was warranted or it was a rape or a sexual assault or an actual relationship or even just a pursuit, there are their own sort of problems that arise from this that will follow you for essentially your whole life, I will say. Yep. And I get that. However, Cecilia still got off a little too scotch-free in my book, personally. So, Kylie, how do you feel? The only thing that I am confused about and could still question is the part where she says that he did it because she wanted to end things. We don't really know if it's one or the other. You know what I mean? True. Like, because she... Like, the actual motive behind it. Yeah, she threatened originally that she was going to end things with Billy. But then she's like, oh, I know I need you to do this because... Right. So, yeah. But yes, get a divorce. You don't... Or just don't really get married. Y'all, we don't know if you want to lie. Straight up, just lie to all of us at ceremony. We don't know. I'm such a big advocate for lying in your ceremonies. Uh, I understand what you mean. Yeah, that that could have been taken out of real fucked up context. But you know what I mean? Because I explained it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. They're saying have the big wedding, but don't actually get married legally. It's it's not that hard to not get married. My sister almost accidentally did that. She Uh went and got married in Mexico and then she didn't know that you have to get remarried in the U.S. And then someone was like, you know, you're not legally married yet, right? And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, there was this whole like whole thing. And she's like, well, I guess we're having a second wedding. And then they have a third. And <laughs> here we are <laughs> after 17 weddings. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, it was just like this. It was it's just this stupid thing. I feel like having these. Re- that's why I did these two back to back, because if you remember last last week, I almost said last month, Um, it was almost the same scenario but kind of backwards yeah and now it's this way around it's just so weird how people can convince also how much of a home-wrecking piece of shit do you i I guess in the last episode sheila keen was more of a home-wrecking piece of shit do you really have to be though to be like oh you're already cheating on the person you literally made a vow to in front of all your friends and family to be with me and you know fuck me behind their back but you probably won't do that to me. And <clears throat> well, also remember, you- the other part of this is that Greg had an affair a year into their relationship. I know. But like, Jesus Christ, if they're willing to. Oh, my God. I saw this saying today and it was like, if they're willing to lie to the one they love, why wouldn't they lie to everyone or something like that? Like, yeah. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, if they're going to lie to the one that they genuinely chose out of everyone, like a husband or wife or something like that, or like a long term relationship. Bro, they don't care who the fuck they're going to lie to. And also, also, they're going to do it to you. And also, <laughs> now you murdered for them. And just, it's, you're stupid. Well, they don't know because they're children. It's like 15 years old. It's insane. It's just also really fucking weird because my ex's name is Greg. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I was 21 when we got married. And he was, I think he was 24, actually, not 23. Um, and then a year into our relationship, I knew it was over. But, you know, stayed because you have to fight the fight to see if you're meant to be, Fina. 
Kylie was like, before we started this episode, she's like, Greg's the murderer, isn't he? Greg's are always, Greg's are bad news. And I was like, <clears throat> yeah, totally. I did not tell her Greg was the one that gets killed within the first line of this. No, this. he's still a piece of shit because he, uh, but that was a, he she, had an affair. she said that he did that. Oh, she said that he told her that he had an affair and everything, but she's the one that told us that. Oh, so we still don't even know if I he missed had that. the affair. Okay. Maybe he didn't still which, <laughs> which maybe this was a retaliation her being like well he had the affair i had to have one too that's what, what i was he thinking never did what if because pam's a kind of little um fucking fox to justify little it. bitch face yeah to justify her actions God. well but still if he did i could see why she would be or feel that way so, she's also young in herself like yeah they're also literally everyone stop. in this case is a kid it's not even what thena's saying about stop getting married or like lying to people just don't get married when you're 21. Stop it. Stop getting married when you're 21. I did it. And I don't, I don't also, stop doing that. Can we go back to having long engagements? I miss those days. Like just be engaged for like three years. It's fine. Plan your whole wedding and save up. Have a really fucking cool. You know what? Save up so you can take the greatest honeymoon ever. Don't rush into your wedding. Plan that shit out. Go crazy. Kylie, how many years till your wedding? A year and a half. Exactly. Well, okay. like say two, just prove my point. Just say two, just to make me feel better. Say two. I mean, it's longer say, than say a year and a half. Two years. It is not two years. Say two to make me sound cooler. It's three hundred. Oh my and- god, you are literally the worst right now. Hers is like two years away. It's six hundred and fourteen days away. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kylie, you're ruining my point. You bitch. No, still, but I know a lot of people that have gotten married this year. Well, actually, last year that were together for like two seconds and then yes. had. A shotgun wedding and it just doesn't i just don't get stop it stop doing that get, or like i know a couple that got married i think they got married on valentine's last year i want to say that's weird and <clears throat> they they purposely went and had like a uh las vegas wedding they brought their friends and family like they got married in the chapel but they had their friends and family there it was like a family vacation yeah and so they all attended it or whatever. This couple has been together for like six years or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. They both have openly broken up and cheated on each other like 30 separate times. Yeah. And Sounds they're like, well, right. this will fix things. So they got engaged and like less than a month later were married. That's another thing. Marriage doesn't fix the issues like, that you had before in your relationship. It's not just like a clean slate. That's not how it works. You have feelings in the back of your head forever. I just feel like um, people are stupid. Yep. <clears throat> a little bit. I just want to like shake some of these people. Just give them a good old <laughs> like, shakedown. <laughs> yes. Like take them by the shoulders and give them a good little shakedown. <laughs> so I guess that's it. I've started 2024 with a series of cases that just enrage you. Yeah. Really upset us 2024. Sounds great. And it's funny because I've been wanting to tackle some aliens or some cryptids. But I've I've had all these on the on the on the burners and I'm like, well, fuck, I have to all these cases pretty much from now until March, other than one case that I'm just now writing, which will be next week's, which is a cryptid. All these cases were cases that way back two years ago I had half finished and then I've just never worked on them again because I like at the time was like, eh, that's not the one I want to do. And so now I'm like, I I need to go back and finish all those. I have yeah. all these like fucking half finished outlines. Well, now you have to add that social media one. That's oh, Seth Jackson. Yeah, it is Seth Jackson. I I, I remember it now. So I'm going to add Seth Jackson in like um, two weeks or so. Um, but 
Yeah. So all these are like, I've had these planned, but it's just funny how they all line up back to back where they just keep making us more and more mad. <laughs> Sounds about right. So thanks, guys, for hanging out. Um, I'll leave you with this really funny story. Are you ready? It's really short. (laughs) So we went to this museum for my birthday. And the museum, one of their taglines is, it's a wonder that you come here and are in wonderment. Okay. 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 And the museum is called Wonder Museum. And people like on the website, it says like, it's wonderful. You'll be in wonder. You get the hint, right? Yep. You're getting it. Okay. I'm laying down the groundwork here. Uh Now the actual title is just four letters in all caps lock and it's W N and then the letter D and the letter R so that it spells wonder. So it doesn't spell wonder. It essentially does. If you're, you're up there with the noggin working, right? With the noggin. (laughs) So Kylie and Margie and Thena, we're all on the same page. You see, there's one name missing here. We'll leave that name out for a second. We all bought, mine is Kylie, matching hoodies that day, right? Kylie bought a cardigan thingy or something. But we all bought matching hoodies. And Corey left his on the back of the chair the other mine day. Mine says Wonder on too. I know, but yours is slightly different. Okay. So I was I was giving you your, your claim to fame. We all bought merch. And I say, like, get your hoodie out of my way. And I toss it at him. And he says, oh, be nice. That's our matching WNDR hoodies. <laughs> I drop what I'm doing. And I'm like, I look at this man. I go, it's not a fucking news station, Corey. What did you just call it? And he's like, um, WNDR. What is it called? <laughs> this poor man. I screamed at him. And I was like, it's called Wonder. And I was like. I was so, so done with this moment. Kylie walks in the room and I was like, Kylie, where did we go for my birthday? And she's like, to, to Chicago for the day. And I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Like what was the, what was the, the museum that we went to? And Kylie, like at first was like confused what I'm asking because she didn't hear the first part of the conversation. And she's like the wonder museum. And Corey's like, why do you call it that? And then she's like, what would you call it? WNDR? Like that's, it's not just letters. And he's like, normal people would probably look at that and think it's WNDR. And I was like, okay, I'll ask another person. So I FaceTime Margie and I'm like, hey, Margie. Hey, babe, what's up? And she's like, what's up? Nothing. How's your day? What's up? And I was like, okay, no, no, no. I'm not here to talk. I was like, I need to ask you a really important question. And she knows whenever I say that, it's never important. I was like, (laughs) when we went this weekend to like, or like last weekend to a museum, how would you pronounce it? And no hesitation. She goes, Wonder Museum? And you just hear Corey in the background go, Jesus Christ, I hate you guys. <laughs> and then Margie like gets confused looking and she goes, what did you call it, Corey? Thinking he maybe pronounced it wrong, right? And he goes, WNDR. And with no hesitation, Margie goes, oh, like a news broadcast station? <laughs> and Corey's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. So then ever since then, Corey's been a little uh, fussy. He's a little fuss pop. He has been really sassy lately, huh? He's been f- fussy lately <laughs> he needs some some longer naps or something yeah i think we all do <laughs> yeah so thank you guys for joining us this week next week we got a cryptid on the docks so that'll be fun hopefully or it won't <laughs> so thank you again for listening to this week's case feel free to tell us how you feel as well thank you for joining us after dark we can't wait to chat with you next week for another new episode sleep tight Thank you.
listener, did you have some feedback about this week's case? Or maybe you want to chat with us. Maybe you even have a suggestion you'd like to throw our way. We're always just a click away. You can easily find all of our socials on Linktree through Cryptic Soup Pod, which is available in our Instagram bio. You can also join the CSP Discord, where we would love to chat with you. Thank you for joining us this week, and make sure to check out our sources available in the description if you want to dive deeper into this case. Don't forget to show your support and love for CSP by leaving a review and rating wherever you normally listen. Next week, we will be back with a new episode where you can join in on the conversation after dark. Cryptic Soup Pod is a podcast that contains sensitive material at times. We understand if sometimes the subjects are too much for some of the listeners. We thank each and every one of you for being a member of the community and always supporting us. Thank you for everything, and we'll see you next time. So stay tuned. I want. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That's potential. Do you want a pop or do you want water? I don't know. If it's a spicy soda, maybe. It's a spicy soda. If it's a water, then water is accepted too. Either one. No. (laughs) I just need a stroll. No, because the last two times I've given you a drink that didn't have a full lid on it, you smelled it. <coughs> Did you hear how much silence there was in between? <laughs> He's a little pissy tonight. episode's gonna be really weird I can already tell <laughs> just trying to do it it's not going well what well, Mr. Taco. Oh. bye Taco bye me too girl me too Oh my god, that is not spicy soda. <laughs> <laughs> Me ask for a Coca-Cola. That is that is water. He said both, actually. But then he said, so it's okay if I bring you a Coke? And I was like, yeah, I'd like that. So in my head, that meant we settled on Coca-Cola. Yeah.
you got water. Wouldn't that have made sense to you? <laughs> yeah. If that was the last thing we just... <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm still going to drink it. It's still hydrating. Love the choice here. Just am shocked when you expect carbonation and it is fluid that just slides down your gullet. You get panicky. <laughs> gullet. <laughs> oh, you get... It was stressful. Oh, that is not spicy. <laughs> not once. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yep. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight's case is the story of the murder of Greg Smart. <gasps> Pamela Smart. Where my ears? What? Oh, I was like, what? I was like, why do you talk so weird? No, this is this is what you sound like as a real human. Yes. I just am so shocked you have a real voice. I was so ready. I was so so No. I thought you spilled I thought, the water already? No. I thought you messed up and it was Greg that murdered Pamela, nope. not the other way. I think you could. I'm good. He moved where my headphones were. Are you good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Can I'm you good. hear me? Yeah, I can okay. hear you now, like a normal person, like through a mm-hmm. third party, mm-hmm. not not straight on. Okay. <laughs> 